I have my sister in Christ, Dr. Deborah Arnett, here for a short interview. She recently has earned her doctorate in clinical psychology and is employed in the United States, I believe, in Pennsylvania. Yes, and so we have just a couple of questions we wanted to ask you, uh, Sister Deborah. And the first one being, uh, what have you noticed in Scripture regarding the Lord Jesus Christ as counselor? Um, I think the thing that always stands out to me when I reflect on Jesus Christ as a counselor would be how he describes sending the paracletos, which is the Holy Spirit. And he said another helper is, is one of the translations for it, which indicates that he is our helper. Um, the word can also be translated as he, uh, counselor, advocate, intercessor. And uh, when I consider my time, first and foremost, at the Christian Counseling Center, the thing that stood out to me in that work was how much I needed him in order to be effective in my work with the clients um, and patients and their parents that he brought my way. And if I may, can I give a story, an example? Please do, please do. Yes. Um, I remember I was sitting in a session with a, a young adolescent male. He was about 16. He was approximately six feet. He had a huge frame, like a linebacker, but he was hunched over. And he was describing this interaction that he had had with a teacher uh, multiple times at a Christian school here on the island, where she was referring to him as Ishmael in class, and that's not his name. Um, Being an individual that grew up in a Christian home, he understood the meaning or what she was aiming at of, of Ishmael and the legacy of Ishmael. And he just kind of sat there, and he looked very defeated, very discouraged. And I found myself quietly praying, which was not uncommon, asking God for wisdom, whether I should just sit quietly, whether I should speak, and if I speak, what should I say? Um, and I had this quiet, quiet inner prompting to look up the meaning of Ishmael. And internally, I started to fight against that because I, I said to myself, obviously, this is not going to be like a positive outcome. So I sat there, he was sitting quietly, and finally I honored the prompting. I got up, I went to the computer, excused myself, and I said, you know, I'm not checking email, I just wanna, I just wanna see something really quick that I think could be related to what we're discussing right now. And I looked up the name, not expecting anything significant or meaningful, um, and was shocked. My enthusiasm increased, and he could see it. I printed it off, I walked back over to him, and I handed him the piece of paper, and I said, read it to me. And he looked at it, And he said, Ishmael, God hears. God listens. I said, what did he say? God hears. God listens. And then, God honest truth, God, I feel, filled me with his wisdom. And I turned and I looked at him and I said, she intended to curse you and she didn't realize that she was blessing you. Mm. So every time she uses that term with the intent to hurt you, to insult you, to criticize you, to put you down. I want you to remember as she says it, God is listening. God hears. And so that was just a powerful moment for me where I recognized that God was helping me to help him. And I think one of the things that can kind of be a hard thing for people to accept is that they need help. Because typically in the Western culture, we frown upon it. It's a shameful thing. And so by the time you need to go to the Christian Counseling Center for help, you probably are pretty messed up. And the truth about it is we all need help. That's right. And God has equipped all of us as believers, if we profess faith in Jesus Christ and we're walking as disciples of his, to be helped by the Holy Spirit, but to also be helpers of others. And so it's not just the professionals that sit in those offices across the parking lot. You are his counselors to speak life into others. Praise the Lord. What a... 
What a wonderful uh, incident you've shared with us to God's glory. Uh, Sister Deborah, uh, generally speaking, what is the most common marital issue that requires biblical reshaping? So that's um, a pretty huge question, and I'm not married yet. Um, <laughs> but having worked with couples and just my own reflections, I prepare for that journey at some point. I think the thing that has recently been on my heart and my mind a lot is the notion that as believers we've lost sight of what covenant really means. What covenant really means. Yes. And so I think a lot of us as believers, we have a contractual mindset about marriage and not a covenant mindset about marriage. And the thing that has kind of prompted this reflection for me um, was recently I've been reading through um, Joshua and kind of meditating about my own journey and the wait period that God has me in. And I was struck by the passage where Joshua and the elders were approached by the Gibeonites who had postured as if they were from a far country and they were, you know, so needy and they were not a threat. And Joshua and the elders kind of looked at the circumstances, the worn out clothing, the moldy bread, and thought they must be telling the truth. And the Gibeonites said to them, make a covenant with us. And so Joshua said, well, how do we know you're telling the truth? But still, Joshua and the elders leaned on their own understanding, and they established a covenant with them. Um, And as you know, I mean, there are many words that are used to describe covenant in the scripture, but it's the same word that's used to describe the covenant that God established with Abraham. And years later, um, after this covenant was established, um, which should not have been established because they had not consulted God, and um, they did discover that they were three days away, nearby neighbors, individuals that God had not intended to continue to stay in the land. Um, Years later, um, under a different rulership, when King Saul was the king, um, he decided out of zeal, as the Bible said, to eradicate the Gibeonites and had murdered a number of them. Years go by, and then there's this three-year famine, and David is now king, and he's consulting God, and he's asking God for wisdom. What should I do? You know, I, I don't understand why are we experiencing this famine. And God pointed out to him, it's because of the actions of King Saul against the Gibeonites. And I've been struck by that passage because it shows God's integrity for covenant, mm-hmm. even though that was not a covenant relationship that the Israelites should have established. It is a covenant relationship that God continued to honor and held Israel accountable for when they or their leaders chose to dishonor him. And that has been something that I've been reflecting on a lot, and I feel as young people, um, we don't understand how serious it is to enter into a covenant relationship and how much we need to be drenching ourselves in prayer and fasting before we walk into that, because God is going to hold us accountable whether this is a person we he divinely prefers perfectly willed for us to be with, or it's someone we chose to be with and entered into a covenant relationship. So I just think that that's so That's so important that God is the ultimate promise keeper, and he wants us to enter into marital relationship with covenant and not contract. Right. Not, are you keeping your end of it? Then I'll keep mine. Not at all, but both of you to keep your end of it before God, who you struck the covenant with and Mm -hmm. before and with each other. That is so good. Thank you so much, Sister Deborah. Appreciate that. Thank Thank you.